Welcome to the Human Experience Podcast, the only podcast designed to fuse your left and right brain hemispheres and feed it the most entertaining and mentally engaging topics on the planet. As we approach our ascent, please make sure your frontal, temporal and occipital lobes are in their full upright position. As you take your seat of consciousness, relax your senses and allow us to take you on a journey. We are the Intimate Strangers. Thank you for listening. What's up, guys? Your friendly host, Xavier Katana here. Wow, is all I can say regarding this episode with Mr. Peter Sage. What a truly remarkable human being. I really think you guys will enjoy this episode. It's a massively transformative conversation. In it, we discuss success, gratitude, how to be more authentic within yourself and your life. Peter is a world-class thinker, author, entrepreneur. He is on just so many different levels. It was just an honor to have him be part of what we're doing here at HXP. Guys, we survive through listener support. We think ads are gross and unlike some other shows, for the time being, we just are not running sponsorships or ads. Get to our page, thehumanxp.com slash donate, buy us a coffee or lunch, help us cover server and bandwidth costs which are just crushing us right now. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, all at The Human XP. Without much further ado, ladies and gentlemen, this is Mr. Peter Sage. Enjoy. The Human Experience is reinventing entrepreneurship and self-help as we speak to my guest, Mr. Peter Sage. Peter, it's a pleasure, sir. Welcome to HXP. Uh, my pleasure, indeed. It's uh, great to be here and I'm very excited to be on the show. Peter, I mean, you have such a wealth of knowledge. You've been in this industry for uh, at least 25 years, you've started over 20 companies in a wide range of, of fields. You've received numerous awards. You've written at least four books. Where does, where does this inspiration, where does this drive, where does this fire come from within you? What a great starting question. And I, I would have to say that that journey really follows the, the journey that a lot of us have in terms of evolving and, and maturity. The, the challenge is with a lot of people is that, you know, we get to mature biologically without any say in it, but maturing emotionally or spiritually is, is obviously a choice. It's very different and not a path that some of us are even aware that is available to take. And certainly in my, my early days, a lot of the impetus for the patterns that I run, the success that I had, the businesses I started, were all driven by in, you know, let's say my 20s or late you know, teenage years in my 20s, were very much driven by trying to avoid insecurities, trying to prove to the world I was good enough, trying to you know, uh, wear that S on my chest so that people would actually validate me. And so a lot of my early achievements, you know, it was kind of a two-edged sword. You know, it got me into uh, financial success. It got me lots of significance that people saw me at. But the trade-off was I was very hollow, very, you know, very shallow and very empty inside. And I think maturing through that and very fortunate to have several insights towards my sort of late end twenties that really shifted the game for me. And so the reason I do things now and the reason I uh, do what could even appear to be similar actions and behaviors from the outside perspective are driven very much from a deeper and different place. So, you know, it's kind of a, a, a continuum of how I could answer that question following the journey that I've done. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So, so, I mean, I'm sure that you get this a lot. What, in your opinion, I mean, you, you, you talk about, you know, conquering insecurities, but I mean, what in your opinion, Peter is, is one of your, your kind of your, your keys, one of your key, your, your keystone to, you know, success or self mastery? Well, it would have to start with 
essentially understanding a lot of the most limiting patterns that we run, many of which are conditioned before we hit seven years old. And the biggest one is obviously the, the primary fear, as I call it, which is the fear that we're not enough. And most of us grow up with uh, this fear because of many different reasons, whether it's having to act a certain way as a kid so that we get approval from parents because the method of teaching rewards good behavior or withdraws approval from bad behavior. And so we learn to adapt on how other people or how we think rather other people would want to see us. And that instills a lot of you know, insecurity. Now, that can be covered up by the flip side of the coin, by being too overconfident or arrogant or you know, self-righteous, or it could be you know, manifest through insecurities or shyness or pleasing people or you know, constantly you know, getting smaller boundaries that we don't stand up for. So really understanding the primary fear and its role that it plays in our life is one of the, the prerequisites or fundamentals of really understanding self-mastery. I would put a very close second to that, which is tied in, uh, avoiding what I call goop. You know, I spent many years in goop, swimming in this nasty, smelly substance called goop, G-O-O-P, otherwise known as the good opinion of other people. Mm -hmm. uh, and so many people are driven by the good opinion of others because they're desperate to be liked, to be validated, to be told they're good enough, to be accepted, to you know, all the usual suspects. And... If you only understood what goop is as an illusion and how much you're selling yourself short on your potential for, for fulfillment, joy and love, you would only be too keen to, to get out of it. So you know, in, in a very short, brief nutshell, I would say understanding the primary fear of the fact that we're not enough and that could be not good enough, not tall enough, short enough, good looking enough, rich enough, certain enough, whatever it may be. And and getting out of the good opinion of others so you don't walk through life as this unconscious giant adaptation machine, always trying to adjust your behavior consciously or filter through things before it comes out of your mouth, what you think other people will think or say or, or you know, uh, view you as. So, yeah, yeah, Peter, I, I, I get what you're saying. And, you know, that that opinion of others is, you know, it, it seems like such a limiting, limiting thing. And it, and it can kind of box us in. It puts us in a, in a in a box where we, you know, we're 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 kind of isolated by what others may or may not think of us. And and, you know, you're and and I find through your work, it you know, you you really do focus on the things that and I'm digging in. I'm digging right in here with with the conversation with you just because I feel like I can I can kind of communicate with you on this level this quickly. But in your work, you seem that it seems that you are you address the willingness to experience failure right away. I mean, is that I mean, is that is that a big part of your teaching the the ability to fail and learn from that that failure? Absolutely, For failure or rather fear of failure is what keeps so many people locked this side of their potential. And if you only were to explore it, what does failure mean to somebody? The projections that they uh, ascribe to failure are never what's actually experienced if they happen to ex you know, go through that. So. Yeah, it's a giant illusion. It's a giant ghost. It's it's, a, it's like a, a hand puppet with a, a flashlight projecting a bigger shadow on the back wall. And so, yeah, is it yeah impossible to avoid failure? Well, yes. If you never try anything, <laughs> what's the what's the what's the point in being alive if you're not going to do something remarkable? So, for me, failure is your capital. You know, you, you don't see a baby, you know, twelve months old, trying to walk and falling down and saying, you know. Sorry, I'm, I'm not going to do this walking thing. I've tried four times now. I hurt my knee. Uh, forget it. I'll just sit down for the rest of my life. No, not at all. Babies that don't have at that age the filter of the good opinion of others yeah, are uh, driven to go through that, experience that so that they can get the feedback, learn from it, adjust, adapt to move forward. And that, that should be the same in learning how to walk or business or mastering relationships. It's the same process. But when we overlay on top of that, oh, it means I'm not good enough, it triggers the primary fear, we tend to avoid it, which is why so many people spend their entire life 
And it usually takes me about six hours into my one of my workshops to get people to really understand this emotionally, not just intellectually, so they actually act on it and, and adjust. Mm-hmm. And that is that most people spend their entire life of engaging in behaviors unconsciously that are designed to avoid emotions they don't want to include. Right, right. Justify as I'm not, I'm not cut out for that. Oh, that's just not me. Oh, no, I don't like that. And it has nothing to do with yeah, conscious preference. It has everything to do with justifying the left side of the brain yeah, to, to say, oh, no, I'm going to not engage in that. And yeah, you, you don't, you don't want to come with an excuse. Oh, I'm not cut out for that. No, it's just knock it out for it means I'm not willing to fail to learn until I get good at it. You don't want to take your your child and go to a surgeon who says, oh, I'm a cut out brain surgeon. I've never had a lesson on how to do it, but, you know, I'm pretty cut out for this. No, you want to know he's been four four years in medical school and gone and gone on to have experience and and everything else. It's the same with life. But he's had to go through his trials and tribulations in order to master and include not good enough or fear of failing his exams or not being able to pay for college or whatever it may be. It's part of the journey. That makes sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Peter, you work with a lot of very high-end business professionals, entrepreneurs, and just people in, in regards to coaching and, and the way that you kind of help them with, with their lives and their businesses. I mean, what would you say is the the first thing, like let's say that you're starting out with a client. I mean, how do you how do you begin to kind of to assess that what is necessary and how do you, how do you how do you break break into the mold of a person when you're when you begin to speak to them a couple of things one is yeah you know, there's only so many patterns of human behavior and working in yeah you know, the industry and yeah you know, the field of psychotherapeutic intervention and coaching for for as long as I have they become pretty easy to spot just like there's there's only you know eight notes on a keyboard and you know and most musicians or composers can dial in quite quickly on knowing which ones they are and now they may be weaved together in different combinations that make different sounding music but you know the fundamental notes are the same it's the same with human behavior this uh, you know, a thousand different expressions of that, but only so many underlying notes that cause those melodies to you know, to act out. So, you know, how do you spot them? <laughs> but people are a walking projection of their patterns. It's it's very easy to to start to notice. But let's look at the the usual suspects. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the first things I, I go for is. What are the top driving needs of somebody? Because that will tell me far more about them than probably the person that's married to them knows. And what I mean by that is that you know we all have a uh, a certain amount of needs that drive us. And I you know I chunk it down. This is a model I learned from you know working many many years with Tony Robbins, and it's a, a model called Six Human Needs, and it breaks down the personality into four needs: the need for significance. Uh, in order to feel yeah, yeah, independent, unique, special, a personal sense of identity, uh, a need for love and connection, uh, a need for certainty, and a need for uncertainty or variety. And then we have the the needs of the, uh, the, the where fulfillment comes from, all the needs of the, you know, the, the, the soul, the needs of the spirit. And that is the need for growth and the need for contribution. You know, everything in nature grows and contributes beyond itself in some way, or it's taken out of the food chain. Now, in society today, the two most destructive needs that uh, will take you south every time is the need for certainty, which most people are addicted to, and the need for significance. Mm-hmm. And you know, you can't avoid these. They're, they're part of the game. We all have some level of requirement for need for significance and some level of requirement for need for certainty. If I wasn't certain that you know, the... Uh, uh, the, the ceiling wasn't going to be staying up in the room I was in, I wouldn't be in the room. So there's a basic requirement. But when you make those your highest needs, and it's usually the top two out of the six that drive 80% of your behavior. Mm-hmm. So if you are a significance-driven person, you are going to be constantly framing things in a way that tries to make you look more than or overcompensating for what you perceive to be you know, 
uh, weak areas or insecurities. You're constantly reminding people about how great you are in subtle or, or not so subtle ways. You know, it's all about you. It's egocentric. It's what can I get out of this conversation or look at me or how do I elevate myself? You know, there's no, uh, there's very little humility. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, there's very little focus on how do you serve somebody else's you know, for the greater good for their needs to make them feel special, not as a horse trade so they can approve you and tap you on the shoulder and give you a thumbs up. Uh, that's just a vehicle uh, to uh, line to yourself, to seduce yourself under the guise of contributing when it's really significance that's driving the bus. Or it's certainty. You know, oh, I don't leave my job. Oh, no, I have to know that my partner loves me uh, or you know, I, I've got to make sure that I can pay the mortgage. Or Now, if you are driven by those two as in your top two, I can predict most of these scenarios that happen in your life. As opposed to somebody who has evolved a little more, you know, let's say, emotionally, who has, let's say, growth and contribution as higher needs or love as higher needs than significance and certainty, then yeah, that's a very different life. Forget the outer world circumstances or what looks, it's a very different life from how you interact with it. So that's one of the first things I really look for is what are the real driving needs that are pushing this person unconsciously 24-7? It's remarkable. I love it. And Peter, would you say that, you know, like in, with your, I mean, you've had a lot of wide ranging success in, in what you've done and working with Tony Robbins and, and sharing the stage with other visionaries, luminaries, and Bill Clinton, you've been exposed to the sort of other side of success that I would say not many people or not many people have yet kind of accessed. Is, is there something that you did differently than 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 other people that were 20 years old while you were while you were doing you know while you were writing a book when you were 18 i mean who does that <laughs> well i would say one of the the key characteristics that i uh, that was responsible for a lot of my you know experience uh, which is success and a lot of failures you know uh, and it ties in is the ability to handle or embrace uncertainty. Again, this is why you see it's a very different life. Somebody who is driven by the need for certainty is not going to go on an adventure holiday. They're going to want to sit by the beach and they're going to research which airline has the best safety record and they're not going to touch a destination that's had a terrorist attack and all the rest of it. Um, yeah, For me, I, I never really had much growing up as a young kid. You know, my parents weren't wealthy. Uh, I, I made my own games playing with sticks and, and all the stuff. There was no iPads or, or internet in those days. And I just had a great, yeah, great childhood. But I was never afraid to lose anything because I never started with anything. And, you know, as I went through school, I started to realize that, well, look, you know, the only people that that really get on in life are the people that try things. And if they work, they work. And if they don't, they don't. And if they don't, they try something else. And if you look through history, History is a great teacher, but history has one primary lesson, <laughs> and, and that is that you know, I think the greatest lesson of history is that we just don't learn or study the great lessons of history because <laughs> we repeat <laughs> a lot of the mistakes. Yeah. And so for me, you know, I started to see that you know, history always has and always will favor the risk taker. And the paradox about that is that those that risk the least usually end up with the least. Wow. It's just if, you, yeah. if you're driven by certainty, your brain won't tell you that when there's a mortgage to pay on Friday, you don't know how to pay. Yeah. So for me, the ability to handle and embrace uncertainty was a big factor in me trying new things, swinging the bat, going out, falling flat on my face, losing everything, you know, and, and, and going again. Because for me, it's not the having it. I don't care about the having it. I'm not going to take it with me at the end of the game. Yeah. How do I know that? Because the only people that tried that 3,000 years ago were the Egyptians. And what happened? <laughs> we, yeah, we, we, we came along, dug it up, and stole it. Right? So I'm, I'm not going to take anything with me. So it's not the having it. It's the getting it. it. It's swinging the bat. And if you could imagine what the primary pattern of life is, uh, how do I know that? Because everything that we understand in the physical world, or depending on how deep you want to get the illusion of the physical world, uh, oscillates and vibrates at a frequency. We know that. The primary pattern is made up of yeah, uh, things that operate or vibrate at a frequency. Yeah, There is a peak and a trough. There is a number of cycles per second. Uh, in other words, the primary pattern of life is the wave. 
and the characteristics of the wave is they go up and they have a peak and they come down and they have a trough. Mm-hmm. Now, if you imagine your life you know, on a screen in front of you and it's, it's a certain wavelength, what kind of life do you want to live? In order to avoid falling down into a deep trough, you've got to sacrifice that by having a low peak. And that's a very narrow bandwidth to live your life in, which you know, it means that, oh, yeah, I got to the end and luckily I didn't fail because I didn't try hard. Why would I want to live that? No, that's like going to a, a cinema and paying money to watch a boring movie. I'm not going to do that. No, I, I want my life to to have uh, to be a frequency that's so, you know, Tight, yeah. Let's get up in the gamma range here, yeah. And yeah, I know that in order to see the view from the top of the mountain, I got to climb the damn thing, which means I can fall off. I can, I have to, I have to work hard, and I'm going to have peaks, and I'm going to have troughs, and that's the nature of life. I want my movie of my life to have everything: drama, comedy, tragedy, success, romance. That's a movie that I want to go to pay to see. I don't want to pay good money to watch James Bond rescue a kitten out of a tree for ninety minutes. Yeah, that's that. That's not that's not the life I want to live. Just because I'm addicted to certainty, no. Yeah, if I don't fall off the edge once in a while, I'm not living close enough to it. And that's kind of the impetus that drives me through this game of life. So that yeah, you know something, I'm going to crash and burn. Why? Because I had a high mountain to fall off, and that was part of the game. Wow, wow, you're good, man. It's it's good. I like it. <laughs> so. As I was kind of going through the research and we had Dave Asprey on uh, a few weeks ago and, you know, he he didn't know that you and I were going to have a conversation. And while while he and I were talking, he it was funny. He he actually mentioned you as as being one of the, the most listened to pod, podcasts that he's ever done. Oh, wow. People that I t- people that I've talked to have told me that uh, about how powerful your your speeches are and you know how you you just you simply you seem to have this sort of secret code into the human condition and you're you're i mean you've you've somehow hacked the system how how are you doing this how have you done this um i just had to take a breath actually i got a little little welled up there that's 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 exceptionally humbling to hear you know, I part of my message is I'm a normal guy. You know, if people put me on a pedestal, then they automatically disconnect from their own greatness by giving it away under the illusion that I have something more than they do. And, and I could I could never take credit for that. I, I've been very lucky to maybe have had the opportunity to study under some certain masters or mentors or had experiences that maybe some people haven't yet had the opportunity to have. And yeah, if, if that's the case and I can I can draw some lessons from that and weave them in a way that kind of makes sense because I have to, because I'm a pretty simple guy, you know. I, I dropped out of school at 16, I'm not academic. And and sort of pass that on to others. What why wouldn't I do that? And if if I do have yeah, you know, some something. I mean, everyone has their thing. Yeah, and, and mine is is probably just being able to phrase things in a way that allow people to understand what is either nebulous or complex and kind of make it a little more real and, mm-hmm. and down to earth. And and that that's all I do. And so, you know, hearing that, it's, it's quite, you know, it's very, very touching. I appreciate it. But again, I, I uh, to, to have the code, I would only have to say one thing, authenticity. That's what I try to be. And I'm not trying to say the right things. I'm not trying to have the right answers. And if I'm wrong and I've got blind spots, as we all do, then please, I'm open to that. Because I've given up the need to be right. I've given up the need to try to adapt myself to fit somebody else's pictures. And I did that by taking the emphasis on me trying to cover up my insecurities, as I did for many, many years, to try to be somebody I thought was important. And really start to focus on what, as I say, nature gives you as the best yeah, guidance and, and the way that life operates to flow with the current of the river rather than swim against it. And that is you know, growth and contribution. And the membrane between the two is cooperation. You know, why, why, would, why wouldn't you pick up some litter in the park and put it in the bin when nobody's watching? Because it's the right thing to do. Because, you know, why wouldn't you? Other people say, well, why should I? It's just two different ways of looking at life. And if I've cracked a code, it's probably getting out of my own ego that was such a burden for so many years uh, and, and maybe learning a, a little bit about how to add some more value. And I'd, I'd say that would be it. And, and being a keen observer of people as well, not from a, a place of judging them. You know, I've, I found out that you know, if you see somebody acting in a way that doesn't fit your pictures, which is 
likely to happen 100% of every day that you're alive because, <laughs> yeah, that's, guess what? They're not designed to fit your pictures. They're designed to project their own pictures and, and live in accordance to their rules and dictates. Yeah, people do things for reasons. That's a psychological fact. May not be your reasons, may not be my reasons, but they do it for reasons. And so if you see somebody acting out a certain way and it, do, it, it grinds your gears, it goes against what you feel the world should be or, or look like according to you, then if you see it as somebody doing something that's their fault, you are immediately likely to judge them. And as soon as you judge somebody, you lose all ability to influence them, or more importantly, you lose all ability to learn from them. Mm, yeah. And so if instead, if you see somebody acting out of accordance with how you think that they should act according to your righteous dictates on how you think the world should be, you know, which 7 billion people have the same you know, uh, mindset of, of how they think it should be and they're all different. If you see it as a limitation, not a fault, why is it a limitation? Well, they may not have had the opportunity to have, have experienced life the way you've experienced. You don't know what their story is. We all have a story to justify where we're at. Yeah. Right. And so if you see it as their limitation, you're far more likely to view view what they're doing with with compassion or tolerance or yeah, uh, acceptance or curiosity as to learn what you can learn from it, then you are judging them outright for not being as yeah, smart or as intelligent or whatever is, or as right as you are. So yeah, that took me a long while to give up that game, to give up judgment, to, to stop criticizing people because they didn't fit my pictures. That yeah. and, um, and as soon as I did, you know, I, I stopped fighting reality, which was yeah, quite a quite a big thing for me because I've spent many years fighting reality only to draw the same conclusion every time. The damn thing keeps winning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. you swim it upstream and the current will always win. Now you've got energy. You can fight the current. You can swim against it. You can drive hard. And most people go to their grave trying to play that game. And unfortunately, a lot sooner than they should do because they wear themselves out. Whereas if you relax and understand the wisdom of the current, just because it's not going in a straight line towards your goal, the current bends. And if you learn how to flow with that current rather than resist it, you'll find it will always take you downstream to where you want to go. And that, you know, I, I teach a, a way that I call living in through me. So life is flowing through you rather than what I lived in for many years, which is by me. Like I will make it happen. It'll happen by me. And, and that's it's, it's exhausting. And so understanding the latest what we know now in science on how to flow with that river and use the mind not to uh, – uh, fight the current, but control your position in the current. See, that's, that's being a good sailor. A bad mm. sailor tries to control the river. Well, i got news for you. Life's a little more powerful and smarter than we are. Go, go try that game and play it. I did for many years. But if you learn how to flow with, with some of the fundamental principles, then, yeah, I may appear as if I, I have the illusion of, uh, of having my, my act together a little more than others. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. It's very, I love the analogy of the river. Peter, would it, is money the end goal? I mean, is, <laughs> is, is money, I mean, we, we have to, we have to eat, we have to survive. You know, you mentioned, you mentioned that, you know, risk, part of the risk, you know, it's, it's about, you know, really just taking that risk and being willing to, to fail. But at the same time for me in starting this show, you know, I left a six figure job and put all of my energy and time into running this this show and it's it's exploded because of that and i took a big risk and there was there was a big reward my question to you is is money ever the end goal is money should money ever be the end goal if significance and certainty are your two highest driving factors then you'll probably try to make money your end goal now there's a massive fundamental flaw with that which if you have anybody that or experienced somebody that uh, or been there yourself trying to make that happen that's that's a hamster wheel to nowhere. Yeah, that, that's a tunnel with no cheese. And even under short-term illusion, and I, I talk about something called the curse of the white rabbit. It's like a dog chasing a rabbit on a track that is mechanical. You're never going to catch the rabbit. Not because the dog's not fast enough. Yeah, not because you're not a good enough entrepreneur. Yeah, not because you you've got the, you know, not the best diet or the best trainer. The game is designed so you can never catch the rabbit. And the analogy there is if you're trying to chase the next goal and for most people, the goal, especially of money, is fulfillment because money is conceptual. And we'll, we'll talk about this in a little more detail because I think I can add a lot of value to people that are on this hamster wheel. Okay. Um, yeah, money is conceptual. The only place in the universe it means anything is in the mind of a human. 
That's it. It's it, it has, other than that, it's pieces of paper with dead people on it, and it's it's shiny rocks, yeah, and or shiny metal and hard rocks. That's about it. Right. Yeah. yeah, we get meaning that we prescribe called money. Now, if you are chasing the rabbit of fulfillment, which is ultimately what you think money will give you, by running on the track of achievement, no amount of money is going to fill that void. You know, oh, when I make my first million, then I'll be okay. Well, guess what? You make your first million and you still don't feel okay because now you've got to make two million in case you lose the first. Or, yeah, now you go, oh, when I get to 10 million. Yeah, if you look back at your 14, 15-year-old self from where you are right now and you were able to go back and tell them what you've done and where you're at, that 15-year-old, you would look at you and say, wow, my God, you made it. You've done what? And you've traveled where? And you're earning what? And you've got your own business? They'd be in awe. But you don't feel like you've made it because there's still another goal to catch. There's still another rabbit on the track. You've got you know, five fluffy white tails pinned to the wall already. And you know, you're chasing the next one because that fulfillment still isn't there. And so if you start to think that by making money the goal, you're going to be happy, you're going to be unhappy when you perceive you don't have enough, which is all the time you're chasing. So let's just look at money for a second. Yeah, Money is nothing more than a byproduct or a consequence of adding value. It is a medium of exchange. That's all it is. It's a universal medium of exchange that we've created so that yeah, 5,000 years ago when we were trading goats and chickens and I wanted chickens and you wanted goats, but yeah, but we didn't have a compatible way to find it because yeah, you didn't have any goats or I didn't have any goats to trade, then we couldn't do business. Mm-hmm. So money came along to be an equalizer as a medium of exchange. That's all it is. Yeah, people often misquote, yeah, money is the root of all evil. Well, I'm sorry, that's that's yeah, that's a crock. The love of money is the root of all evil. In other words, if you are selling out yourself and your values in order to try to accumulate this thing called money, then yeah, we can have some problems. And yeah, that's that pattern stems from a fundamental mistake that society conditions, which is having people link mistakenly their self-worth and their net worth together. Trace it back to the to the primary fear. Oh, I've only got X amount in the bank, you know, therefore, you know, I'm not good enough. Oh, society will tell me I'm good enough when I've got you know, X amount more in the bank. That's just, that's a crock. Now, if Richard Branson lost all of his money tomorrow, you know, or I did, it'd be a damn good excuse to go again. I'm not defined by what's in my bank. And yeah, then there's been times where that's been minus a lot more than zero that other people on here wouldn't want to swap overdrafts for. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, and it's, it's what it is. It's a tool, money's a tool. So let's just put it into a, a better perspective so people can get it. Sure. Yeah, if you sit in front of the fire, yeah, and you say, I, I'm cold, I really want some heat. That's like going you know, to life and saying, you know, I'm poor, I really want some money. Well, the fire is going to say, well, you got to kind of go out and fetch some wood. Yeah, that'll give you all the heat you want. No big deal. Oh, no, 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 no. Give me some heat first. Then I'll go get some wood. Mm, that's not going to work. No, I want money. Then, then I'll go out and do it. No, money is a byproduct or a consequence of adding value. The last time you got money was because you gave something for it of value first to someone else that used that medium of exchange in, in order to pay for it. And that could be 40 hours a week in a job or a product or a service. Yeah. You don't walk into the gym and say, right, give me some strength. I'll go lift the weights. Yeah, that doesn't work. You've got to put the time and you've got to you've got to go and contribute something. In this case, lifting a bar that's too heavy to lift in order for your muscles to grow. Then you get the strength. Oh, I want to have money. No, you don't. You want to have what you think money gives you because you're living in scarcity. Yeah, well, you're driven by certainty. So why don't you go and focus on how I can add value, become a person of value, contribute something of value, and you'll look over your shoulder one day and say, where did that money come from? But if you're chasing money, you are chasing your tail because you're trying to chase the effect, not the cause. So go focus on the cause, go lift the weights, go fetch the wood, and money will follow. It's, just, it's not. It's not difficult. It's, it's not conceptually hard to understand. Yeah. But if we make if we make money into something, and therefore we chase it, then it's never going to appear in abundance in our life. And you know, let's talk about wealth for a second. What is wealthy? Very simple. Wealth is nothing more than the perception of abundance. Whose perception? Your perception. My perception. You take some kid in Africa and put 
yeah, $10,000 in his pocket, and he's going to feel a lot more wealthy than you take a multimillionaire and take them down to a million. It's, it can't be the money. If it was the money, it'd be, it'd be like temperature. It'd be the same for everybody. We'd all feel the same. If it was 50 degrees in the room, we'd all feel the same temperature. No, money's conceptual. So it's the perception of abundance usually triggered by gratitude. And so what is poverty? Very simple. Poverty is the perception of scarcity. Usually triggered by yeah, fear, fear of loss, fear I'm not good enough, and uh, trying to have more in order to validate myself. So how do you become wealthy immediately by focusing what's abundant in your life? Now, that could be health. It could be a relationship. It could be oxygen. Yeah, find something. <laughs> yeah. And, and as soon as you start vibrating at the level of abundance, then guess what happens? Yeah, we know this under quantum law, that the outer world will start rearranging itself in order to present you opportunities that will then allow you to go lift weights in the gym to get the money you want. Yeah. And you, know, you still you still got to lift the weights. This isn't a meditating on checks in the mail. Now, that will usually bring an eviction notice. So, yeah, it's about doing the work. We live in the physical world but we're also metaphysical. You know, so we have the ability to impact reality with our mind. That debate is long gone. Anyone here that's still addicted to the materialistic view of the world yeah, has been asleep since 1927. So, yeah, that's, uh, yeah that if, don't even need to have that debate. Just go do look at the latest research in science and every yeah. single attempt to validate materialism has fell, fallen flat on its face. It doesn't exist. This is a virtual simulation we live in. Every scientist that's credible is coming to that awareness unless they're more addicted to their, you know, the, the four years they spent getting their PhD and, and why they're identified with that than being a real scientist and opening up to new possibility in light of new facts. And that's my little, my little soapbox on that. You nailed it. I love, I love the fusion of the, the metaphysics with, with the actual, you know, the, the hard practical advice and just the perceptual shift. I believe in that. I practice that. And it's a good segue into my next my next sort of phase of this interview gratitude you know you you just mentioned mm. it how important is it to have gratitude wow <laughs> yeah there's there's two states that allow you to raise your your level of consciousness and your frequency to a much higher point. And again, I can get into the science on that if you wish, but for listeners that you know want to have a little bit more validation than thinking it's mystical or woo-woo. But those two states are unconditional love and gratitude. Now, I focus a lot more on gratitude with a lot of my students and, and people that come to my workshops or seminars because so few people have a reference for knowing or understanding or experiencing what unconditional love is. 99% of any love that people have in their life, uh, what they think is love, is conditional love. You know, oh, I, I love this person, I love that person, until they don't fit my pictures. Yeah, or I love this until something happens that violates my model of the world. And you know, you have unconditional love. Yeah, somebody you know, does something traumatic to somebody you really care about. How much forgiveness do you have in the moment versus want to pull their head off? Yeah, or send them to jail to, to be punished or what yeah. Unconditional love is unconditional love. Yeah, conditional love is, oh, well, yeah, I'll love you up to a point. But again, very few people have references for that. Yeah, some people evolve into it. Yeah, the Nelson Mandela's of the world, the Mother Teresa's of the world, very few and far between. Now, yeah, that's why I focus on gratitude. Gratitude is, it carries a very different energetic signature, all of which can be measured than almost any other uh, lower level of, of, you know, uh, of emotional signature. See, most emotions are nothing more than the after product of thoughts. Yeah? Every thought you have creates a chemical. Yeah? Fact. That chemical or chemicals create a feeling in the body that then you call an emotion. So oh. gratitude has a very different signature or to most emotions. It puts you in touch with a heart-centered connection rather than a mind-centered connection. Most emotions triggered are mind-centered. Gratitude is heart-centered. It transcends logic. Yeah, there's and it, it raises the frequency. So if it's if it's such a key to being yeah, feeling wealthy, 
no matter what you think is in your bank account. If it's such a key to raising your level of, of consciousness and vibration so that life can rearrange itself so you can flow with the river rather than swim upstream and bitch and complain about it, mm. then why you know, why do so many people not, not grateful? Why? Because they're conditioned by society through the law of conformity, which nobody can escape. Yeah, it's the current of the river. Yeah, it's the 95% law. You will conform to your surroundings. Right. Inner world and outer world. Now, we know in the outer world, that's simple. Yeah, your body's a 24-7 adaptation machine. It doesn't mind where you put it. Its job's not to question, its job's to adapt. You put it in the gym, it will adapt. You put it in McDonald's, it will adapt. It doesn't care, its job's to do that. But the mind's the same, the inner world is the same. You program yourself with media uh, and you start yeah, being exposed to the latest yeah, news and news apps and push notifications and what you're being told is going on in the world as a microcosm of what companies and media want you to focus on so that they can hook your attention and drill you into a, a state of you know, emergency you know, biochemical response to keep you tapped into watching their crap, then yeah, you, you, you're not going to have a chance to start thinking of things to be grateful for. And so I haven't watched a, new, a news report. Yeah, I haven't read a newspaper 15 plus years. Yeah, I don't want, and if you think that reading the news or watching like CNN, yeah, constant negative news, yeah, is a way that you can yeah, find out what's going on in the world. I'm going to say you're in Disneyland. Yeah, it's like the, the world is like the Amazon rainforest. What's going on in the Amazon? Very simple. Everything's going on in the Amazon. But if you're there at night with a flashlight and you decide to shine it on every scary object or look at this, yeah, um, uh, frog being eaten by a snake or oh look at this yeah, tree dying because it's being yeah, got a parasite then that's what you want to focus on yeah, everything's always available yeah, as opposed to oh wow look at this incredible hummingbird or look at this new baby being born in, in, in you know, as a, a, a rare species of, of something or look at this incredible flower everything's available what do you want to shine your light on well I want to choose what I want to shine my light on I don't want to be told by somebody that's got a hidden agenda yeah, news is not charity. It's a commercially driven deal. And it's commercially driven based on people, the amount of people that engage in it. So they can charge rate card and justify advertising dollars. That's, that's the business model. Everyone's aware of that. Mm -hmm. So they have a lot of very intelligent people yeah, that come out of Harvard, that go to you know, work on Madison you know, Avenue, that yeah, figure out how to get your attention to hook you into that game. And yeah, if you are focusing on the move, if you're exposed to the media, it is exceptionally hard to be grateful when you only have to look around and realize I could name five things right now. I don't care if you're homeless. I don't care if you've got a terminal illness. I could give you five things right now to be grateful for. Yeah, and it's just a question of where do you want to shine your flashlight? Yeah. Wow. That's so, so powerful. Um, you know, I, I love it, Peter. I, I think it, it, you know, it's, it, it falls into everything that I've, I've been learning and kind of re relearning in my own experience. You know, the, the strangest thing kind of happened to me uh, a couple months ago. Um, some, some opportunities kind of opened up for me and I would say m my vibration changed, you know, the, the frequency that I was, mm -hmm. that I was vibrating at changed and the most, it was like the twilight zone these people who were vibrating at a lower frequency than me, they simply dropped out of my life. Peter, it was like, it was as if I, I suddenly had no, like my friends, people who I thought my, were my friends, they were just gone. And, you know, it, it took me a little bit to kind of understand what was going on and, and deep, deep down in, in my gut and back of my mind, it was saying, this, this is necessary for the next phase in your life. This is, yeah. these people are blocking you from accomplishing the next, what's, what's coming for you next. So, yeah. I mean, you, you discuss this as well. You, you talk about how we, we become just as the people we are around, our environment influence influences us as well. I, I mean, can we talk about that a little bit? Certainly. And let's use an analogy I think most people can relate to. Let, let's grab a, a whole bunch of tuning forks and let's set them up around the room. And yeah, they're all, let's say, uh, tuned in for yeah, the note C. And I take my C because that's what I'm vibrating at. And I, I, I start vibrating at C. Every other tuning fork that C will start to vibrate. 
But, you know, so, I mean, I've been going through life. I'm on my own path. I've been exposed to a few different you know, things that I want to uh, explore. And I feel a calling to become, yeah, F. I'm going to be an F. This is my game. So, bang, guess what happens? I start vibrating at F. What happens to all the other C tuning folks? They stop vibrating in my world. I don't affect them. They don't affect me. I, they, they disappear out of my awareness. Hmm. And what will happen is other people vibrating at F will start to, yeah, I'll start to notice. I'll start to attract. I'll start to be in harmony with. And that's essentially what's going on. Why? Because the primary pattern of life is the frequency. It's the wave. We know that sound wave, light wave, microwave, radio wave. Doesn't the, is, everything is made up of waves. Yeah, and th this reality again is is so much of an illusion that people don't understand. And it's a convincing illusion. I think Einstein quoted that. Yeah, it's a persistent one. But, you know, let's just take a finger. Yeah, and you go into a finger, and you yeah, you go through the epidermis and the dermis into the skin, and then you get into the blood vessels, and then you go deeper into the cell, and then you go into the DNA, and then you go into the molecular structure, and then you go to the atomic structure. And then what happens? You go a little deeper. And I give you a camera. I shrink it down, little GoPro, and say, hey, dude, fly around the inside of that atom and take some pictures. Tell me what's there. We now know there's nothing there. Nothing. The actual illusion of what constitutes as matter represents 0.0, .0 to the power of 6, 1% of the actual yeah, energy availability and possibility that's there. 99.9 .9 to the power of 6 is energy and potential. There's nothing there. You'll be flying around a giant empty space. There is nothing there. There is energy in, you know, that is vibrating at fixed patterns. There's nothing solid about anything solid. So I say, wow, that's – but when I pull back, I get the illusion of solid. So let's go to modern – yeah, 4K, super high def LED television. If I pick somebody out of 300 years ago and put them in the room 20 feet away, they're going to look and say, wow, look at all those people living inside that television. Yeah, that looks so real. It's it's so convincing. It sounds perfect. It's, it is. It's them. Mm -hmm. And you get a bit closer and you zoom in and you walk up and you find, oh, actually, no, it's not what it appears. It's actually glass. Mm -hmm. That's strange. And then you go a little deeper and you say, well, it's actually not any glass. It's actually, it's it's LEDs. It's three flashing lights in primary colors. And then you go a little deeper and say, well, it's actually not LED. It's just, it's photons of light that are vibrating at certain frequencies. There's nothing actually solid there. And then you pull back 20 feet and it's a picture again. That's the human body. That's the materialism of the world and the illusion that we live in. So everything is frequency. You vibrate at a different frequency. The people in your life that are vibrating at a different frequency are going to start to move away. It's not magic. It's science. Yeah, it's yeah, and, and that could either be a constructive interference pattern or a destructive interference pattern. And a lot of the time when people go through this transition by upgrading their peer group, by tuning into better quality information. See, when you're feeling higher vibration, David, when, when you're feeling lighter there's a reason for that you are identifying through higher frequency with the metaphysical side of you that simply means the non-physical metaphysical i.e the wave part of you is radiational when you're feeling low frequency which is essentially what gives matter the illusion of matter you know if i was to raise the frequency in this room and i was to look through let's say the x-ray spectrum i wouldn't see your body the frequency my frequency is too high i just see the density of your bones if I went even higher and started emitting at the yeah, gamma spectrum, I wouldn't even see bones. I'd just see like a, an apparition outline of the body. Right? So now if you identify with higher frequencies by accessing gratitude, unconditional love, joy, humility, compassion, forgiveness, high frequency, you start to feel lighter. Why? Because you're more identified with the radiational high frequency side than feeling upset, guilty, angry, you know, um, uh, frustrated. Low frequency, you feel heavier. Why? Because you're identifying with the physical side. It has mass. It's gravitational, not radiational. So therefore, you feel more down. It's, it's, yeah, it's only basic forms of science that we understand. And which one would you rather feel? Well, it's a choice. Yeah, what's wrong is always available if you want to shine your light on it. But guess what? So is what's right. And by focusing on gratitude, you know, whether it's being grateful for living in a time in human history that our ancestors have dreamed about, you know, whether it's it's living in a time where we've got you know, medical intervention 
that can extend life, that there's, you know, we can talk now to somebody the other side of the world in real time and see them and distance is no longer a problem, that we've got technology that you couldn't have dreamed about 20 years ago. You've got hot running water and antibiotics they wouldn't have had 100 years ago. That, you know, we live in a society that is so evolving that we don't have to rely on previous truth providers to give us their version of the world, which for centuries was religion. Yeah, and then for the last five, you know, 500, 400 years has been yeah, traditional Newtonian-based science. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't need that now. We don't need to, to rely on our village guru to tell us how it is. We can log online and choose from a multitude of different things and see what resonates. So, yeah, it's, it's um, yeah, how much more do you want to talk about? I could go on, but you get the idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh... I mean, it's it's really profound that all of these things are real and all these things exist and that simply by changing our our perspective, our viewpoint, our, you know, our the way that we see the world and our own vibration that we can kind of lift into a, another, you know, a, a new experience, a new level of experience. And that that element of elevating our thinking i think is so crucial to success on all levels on a personal level entrepreneurial level and uh, with you know in relationships and with the people that you care about your friends your family your lover and you know so so i want to i want to switch gears just a little bit here uh peter if you don't mind too much um i want to ask you about you know i get I get a lot of emails per day. I can only imagine how many emails you get per day, but I probably get about 30 emails a day. A few of these emails are people who are, you know, trying to sell me something. And, you know, it's it's a typical sales ad and it's it's a, uh, you know, it's it's basically it consists of I have this secret and if you take my class, if you take my course, if you pay me money, I will give you this secret. And by me giving you this secret, you will suddenly also be able to make money and be rich and be fulfilled and be happy. I mean, you, you're, you're in this industry where, you know, you're, you're in the self-help industry where you're, you're helping others and you're, you're, you're applying your wisdom and you're, you're giving them your value. But I, I feel that there, I mean, without mentioning names or anything like that, I mean, it, there there are p- people in the industry that tend to not they don't walk their talk they're you know and and it is just a sort of it is it is a very snake oil thing for them and so i just i kind of want to get you know your your real life your your perspective on on what you think about that huh. uh, a topic very dear to my heart yeah, I, I'm on a mission to reinvent the personal growth industry for the exact reason that you just described. You know, I've, I've been in this industry nearly three decades. There's not a, a guru or so, such you could put on the table that I'm, I'm either yeah, good friends with or yeah, uh, haven't, yeah, uh, don't know intimately in terms of the, the, their work because I've, I've studied the industry for, for, for so long. And 90, no, 80, 80% of people that get involved in personal development, self-help, are usually worse off 12 months later or exactly the same but with a, a bigger credit card bill. And it's all based around what you just said. Yeah, go buy yeah, my stuff because you're you're wrong, you're broken, some, you're missing something, but I've got the answer. Buy my stuff and I'll fix it for you. And it's sold on false promises, usually by people who, even if they're well-intentioned, are more interested in what I can get you to spend than I am in your absolute authentic level of success. And yeah, it's it's the 80-20 rule. I want to reinvent that into the other way around. Yeah, I I want to raise the bar across the entire personal growth industry uh, and essentially call it what it should be, which is should be the personal growth and results industry. Yeah, and yeah, there's so many people on this hamster wheel of ineffective self-development sold with the wrong intentions, and it's time that it got shook up. Mm. And yeah, I've um, yeah, I'm I want to be at. I think a lot of the reason I said people resonate with some of my messages, the fact I try to be authentic. Yeah, I don't make promises I can't keep. If if I don't, if I'm not worthy of yeah, uh, being able to add value to you, I, I shouldn't 
yeah, I shouldn't even contemplate being allowed to take or keep your money. You know, yes, I provide programs. Yeah, you know, I've got my, my flagship three-day event, which I put on. I love to teach it. It's my passion. I want to get out there. I want to add it because it changes lives. And yeah, I'm I'm always constantly reinventing it and upgrading it and to, to help other people. I don't claim to have the missing ingredient, but what I do have a lot of the time is a fairly decent mirror to hold up to reveal your own greatness. Uh, to to show you some of the blind spots that you know, you've been um, yeah, running through life and being told that yeah you need fixing. Yeah, you know, there's nothing wrong with you. The presupposition is that you're broken. No, you're not. You're perfect. You're incredible. You're amazing. You may you may have just be running some old outdated patterns around some belief systems you haven't had the opportunity to question for a while. But if I start any premise that yeah you're yeah you're wrong and you need to buy my stuff in order to fix it, then I need to get the hell out of dodge. Now, that's 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 not and it's very rare you see people like that there are there's some exceptions in the industry uh, i'm a big fan of uh, and a good friend john Martini. uh john's yeah I, I love john's work very high level um george zalicky one of my mentors yeah beautiful soul just i think it just wants to contribute but yeah i'm 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 tired of the yeah buy my stuff to basically and, and let me sum it up this way let me sum it up remember we talked about the the rabbit analogy mm-hmm. with a yeah. greyhound yeah a vast, vast majority of personal growth and development in the industry is selling people things and ways to make them run faster on the track to try to catch the next rabbit. What if there's a way where you could get what you wanted without having to get the rabbit? Because ultimately what you're after is a feeling. It may be a feeling of certainty. It may be a feeling of significance. It may be a feeling of contribution or, or, or love. doesn't matter. What you think a million dollars will give you is nothing to do with a million dollars. So the inherent value in a million dollars in cash, the the only real value is you know, in the real world, is if it's cold and you can set fire to it and get some heat. But money is a conceptual level of invention by humans to measure value exchange so that you can go and exchange it for something that you feel you want that will ultimately give you a feeling. What if you could tap into that feeling before? Yeah. Well, then you could go chase whatever rabbit you want because you enjoy it. You see, the greyhound at the end of the race is ecstatic. Yeah, he's, he's wagging his tail, he's panning, he's, he's, he's so happy. Why? He got to run. That's what greyhounds are born to do. Entrepreneurs are born to build businesses. That's what they do. I'm not saying don't set goals. I'm saying if you're chasing the rabbit out of a need to get something to fulfill a gap inside by focusing on something outside, you are running on a hamster wheel to nowhere. Mm. So, yeah, you know, really understanding that the industry is trying to sell you a faster way to catch a rabbit that you can never really catch. And therefore, what happens? You blame yourself. Yeah, they take the 20 percent of people that would be successful anyway, regardless, and they hold them up as a poster child to say, look, and then you beat yourself up because you're not one of them after you take the course and tried you know, your, your, your hardest for three weeks to make it work. No, or apply it. Yeah. Now, oh, it must be something wrong with me now. Nah. That's, it's time people found out the truth. There's nothing wrong with you. And if there's a way you could shift contextually so that you could already have the feeling that you want, and therefore, yeah, you can go out and chase rabbits and your next million and your dream partner, but it's an expression of who you are to enjoy the journey rather than a destination you're desperate to get to in order to feel good enough, then that's a different game. And that's what yeah. I'm looking to do. Yeah. Wow. Um, I, I'm so glad that, you know, I, it was... That question was, uh, you know, on my list, but it was, it was like, a, you know, I just, I, I'm, I'm so glad that I, that I asked you that and, and you, you answered in the way that you did. Uh, it, it really confirms, you know, a lot for me. And, um, so, I mean, Peter, we're, we're, you know, we're switching around here and we're running out of time and, but, you know, one last question here. Um, sure. If... If there's, you know, for the for all the people that are listening to our voices kind of speak right now and, you know, whatever challenges they may be facing, whether, you know, it's it's starting their own business or whether whether they're fighting with their girlfriend or boyfriend or, you know, whatever's going on with them, is there a single piece of advice that you could give someone that they can put into practice right away? 
<laughs> Always a single bit of advice. Everybody wants, yeah. Everybody wants the the, the, the magic notes in the orchestra, and and yeah, <laughs> life is an orchestra, so that there's no magic pill. But I'll I'll share one thing that may resonate with people, which I think would make a, a profound difference, and it comes back obviously to understanding you know, how to escape yeah you know, the gravity well of the primary fear or, or, or goop. Yeah, if you if you can give up goop. Uh, and all of that emotional energy that you vest in trying to appear a particular way, even if you don't think you do it, it's usually unconscious you know, patterns that are running in the background. Uh, and I'll share with with listeners what I call my movie star metaphor. Uh, and and that is that most people, well, every, everybody is starring in a movie called My Life. Yeah, I think we could all agree with that. Yeah, you're in every single scene of your movie. You are the lead character. And your role is to you know, play this role in the movie called Your Life while you're here in this you know, pseudo-physical existence. Now, the challenge is that by definition, everybody else in your movie will be at best a supporting cast, maybe a spouse or a child or a you know, you know, close friend. 99 plus percent of people in your movie are only ever going to be film extras. Yeah, they play a bit part to fill in the scene. And the second that they leave your scene, you're no longer mentally associated to them and you're on to you know, whoever's in your next next scene. Now, the challenge is because we're so conditioned to see ourselves as the movie star in our life, we automatically assume falsely that everybody else sees us through their eyes as the star in our movie. Well, guess what? Everybody else is starring in their own movie which means by definition that you're likely a film extra, maybe at best a supporting cast to a very few num small number of people. So if you're walking through life thinking, oh, I've got to appear this way, or you know, classic, you know, I see for, for girls these days, I don't want to get down to the supermarket without makeup. You know, what will people think? Or, you know, guys saying, oh, I've got to drive this car because what will people think? I got news for you. Listen carefully. Most people don't care enough about you to bother to give an opinion because they're too busy being worried about what they think you're thinking of them as the star of their movie. And what we do is we give away our power. Yeah. Because we're all running around thinking everybody else is you know, staring at me. How do I act in this role? So everyone thinks, you know, I'm acting the right role as the star. They don't care. You're an extra in their movie. And if you can get the, the understanding of that, yeah, and it's in everyday life. You know, you go to the bar and a guy's standing there and he makes eye contact with a you know, a great girl and there's a bit of potential chemistry there. And, you know, they're, they're, they're doing this exchange and the guy's thinking, hmm, I wonder if she noticed my form. I, you know, I wonder if she's noticed my watch. I wonder if she noticed I paid with a, a 50 instead of a 20 or, you know, what I'm drinking. Or what does the girl actually think in that mutual level of you know, nonverbal exchange? Oh, yeah, I wonder if my hair's you know, gone frizzy in this this nightclub. I, I wonder if you know uh, my that ladder in my tights is showing. Yeah, my pantyhose. Yeah, I want everybody's playing the same game. Yeah. And and girls listening to this and or ladies will understand the one thing that they would crave some guy to come up not to spin him a line uh, in his version of his and you know, he's the next astronaut, right? Uh, or, or whatever he's trying to leverage on his business card title. And give a crap. What are what are women craving these days? authenticity. Here's who I am. Here's my faults. Here's my good points. Here's, here's why I pick my nose. Here's what, you know, whatever it is. Here's who I am. It's like, wow, somebody real? Where the hell did that come from? You know, we all want to do business with somebody like that, do we not? And so recognizing that, you know, in today's world of, of vibration, where people are getting more and more tuned in to trusting their gut rather than the commercially driven biased agendas of, you know, it's put out through the media, Imagine we had two televisions coming out of each ear, you know, one out of each ear that was sort of playing on the screen, all of our nonverbal thoughts. What would that be like? Mm. Scary for a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. You know? uh, but what if you know, that was the case? Could you imagine what would happen? Oh, hi. Yeah, I, I think this is the ideal deal for you. You know, it's tailor made. It's perfect. And then you'd see on the screen, I, I really need you to sign this deal because I need the commission to pay my, 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 you know, my bills. Or, you know, you, you get the guy and the girl scenario and it's like, you know, honey, I really see a future with us. And then it comes up on the screen. Yeah, for tonight. Yeah. Well, I've got news for you. Authenticity, when you get out of the good opinion of others and you drop that emotional baggage, that's the way it is. That's the way it is. We've got no secrets. You already know 
what a person's truth is. You're just not listening to it because you're tuned into your thinking center, which has far more noise than the subtle energies of your feeling center, which always know. Yeah, we call it gut feel. Intuition doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's not a there's not a police officer with assault that doesn't appreciate that and listen to it. Yeah. And so, yeah, if we could understand the game that we play, this giant bubble that we walk around and call, I wonder what everybody thinks of me, with one insight can burst or pierce that bubble and have it go and walk around in the freedom of being us and expressing ourselves authentically, not from a place of driven by significance, that's insecurities, but by driven by, you know, how can I make other people feel the star of their movie? Because that's really what they're looking for. And then wonder why all of a sudden everybody wants to be part of yours. I'd probably be my best advice. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Incredible. Uh, Peter, I, I thank you so much for your time, your wisdom, your words. Uh, it really, really, you know, hit home. Very, very, very powerful conversation we're having here. What is, what is the next step for you, sir? What, what is your, um, I mean, are, are you, are you doing a new book? Are you, uh, is there a workshop that people can attend? What, where can they go to find out that information? Uh, yes. I mean, I, I'm, I'm all about trying to spread my message, trying to help as many people as I can and, and reinvent this industry. As, as you said, that's, that's my passion. Now it used to be a hobby. I know I was a businessman first and an you know, entrepreneur first and a sort of speaker second. Uh, and now I have turned that into my business. It's my passion. You know, I got enough signals from the universe saying, you know, stop, stop doing what you're doing in the business world. I've ticked that box. Go help people. Yeah, go really inspire people. Go really try and free them from some of the limiting bondage of the thinking that's been mismanaged for so many years because you can change a life like that in a heartbeat. Uh, and so, yes, um, I, my, I have a flagship event. You know, I'm an entrepreneur still, so I have what I call the Sage Business School. I have a three-day event. The first day is all about reinventing who you are. It's nothing to do with business. That's, it's all about kind of drilling down in the stuff we spoke about. Then I'll teach you how to make money. I'll teach you the mechanics of business. I mean, you, Siri will teach you that these days. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's not difficult. Yeah, we put some really good spin on it to reinvent entrepreneurs, to give them the, the character and the techniques and the tools to do it. But I, I love to do that. That's, that's something, it's a program I host maybe once, twice a year. Um, you know, I have a, a high-end group of people, which I, I call my family, my master circle. We go away and do crazy things. And yeah, I do some online coaching as well. But my passion right now, I am writing a book. It is going to be coming out next year. Uh, it is going to be a roadmap for helping people navigate their life with far more ease to be able to you know, sail downstream rather than fight the current. And hmm. yeah, you, you can check check all my stuff out, petersage.com. You know, I try and make it as easy as possible. I try and put a ton of stuff out there on YouTube at my YouTube channel to really help people that have limited resources. And yeah, if you get the chance, come to come to one of my events, shake hands in person. It would be a pleasure to be able to see you. And yeah, let's let's go change the world together. <laughs> Absolutely. Guys, my name is Xavier Katana. This is the human experience. You've been listening to Mr. Peter Sage. You can find him at petersage.com. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Hopefully this episode affected you as much as it did for me. We will see you guys next week.